Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are going to be running through the Metropolitan Division as we just do a deep dive into each division. We're holding off on the Atlantic. We're holding off on the on the Central because Tampa and Colorado are still slugging it out. Game six is tonight, though we don't know what's going to happen uh, as of 4 p.m. when we're recording this on a Saturday. But Justin... Uh, I, we won't get too much into the finals, but are you enjoying yourself? I'm enjoying every game so far. I mean, this has been, uh, I don't want to say it's lived up to expectations, but I think it's better than most finals have been in recent memory, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, three I mean, games that are three to two, basically, you know, two of them in overtime, one of them a, a goal with what, like five, six minutes left Yep, for game five. I mean, I, I thought, oh man, is Colorado going to win three overtime games three to two because that would have been crazy too <laughs> i there has been very few times i i think that the leafs in like 1951 i want to say whatever year oh gosh what's that defenseman's name that died right after the finals i can't remember his name died right after the finals yeah he was like a, he was like poised to be kind of like the superstar um up and coming defenseman and uh and he died in a fishing accident and they, they, his body was lost at sea for years. And, you know, the next time the Leafs won the Stanley Cup was like 10 years later. And it was the same in the fall before the season. They finally found his body. Bill Barilko was his name. Yep. Died August 1951 in a float plane crash. Oh, okay. So it was like a, like a seaplane, probably something During like that. During a fishing trip. Yep. Yeah. To Quebec. Yeah. Yeah, so he uh, huh. yeah, but they didn't win the cup again until they found his body, which is crazy. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I think that series they won three or might have been f- all four games in overtime. I I don't remember, but that that's uh, that's in my memory that that I think is the most OT games won in a final. I want to say, but because the Leafs yeah, I mean- the Leafs won four to one. And let's see. Oh, every single game went to OT. All five wow. games. It was a five-game series. Leafs won 4-1. All five games went to OT. So the Leafs won all four games in overtime. That uh, is crazy. And they, they too, they won uh, three games, three to two in OT. So that would have been something. But uh, Serendipitous. Yes. It could still happen tonight or in game seven. See, I'm just rooting for game seven overtime. I don't know if we've ever had one of those there, before. There has, there has been, uh, I think, three times or, or two times. Detroit, for sure, has been in two of them is, is what <laughs> I remember. I, I've i looked it up before, um, but, yeah. You I, can I, look it up right now. Yeah, sure. I, I know there's only been a few of them. I mean, there's been several OT winners for the Cup, uh, but there has... Okay, here we go. So the Wings have the distinction of being the only franchise to ever win the Stanley Cup in overtime in Game 7. They've done it twice in 1950 and 54. There you go. Two times in five years they do it. And uh, that's the Pete Babando and uh, Tony Leswick scored those goals. So there you go. Crazy. I would love it, though. It would be great. I mean, that's how closely matched these games have really been outside of the one blowout. But... Um, or the two blowouts, but uh, I mean, even then, I mean, flip flopped them. So really, it's just been an entertaining series, really close, and 
it's just uh, I think these last two games it's going to come down to Kemper having to be better than Bassey, really. Yeah, and uh, so. and he in the games that Colorado has won, yeah, he has been, um, or or go. he just hasn't had to be because <laughs> Col- right. Colorado destroyed him. Um, just as a as a, a fun note, the longest we've ever gone between uh, two Stanley Cup overtime winners are 1980 to 1996. That was uh, Bob Nystrom in 1980 for the Islanders, and the next time was Uwe Krupp for the Mm -hmm. Colorado Avalanche in uh, 1996. So that's the longest we went between them. Right now, the last one, of course, is Alec Martinez for uh, the Los Angeles Kings. And then... uh, That goal still haunts me. I'll I'll never... Yeah, that one, like just coming down straight down the middle and just rifling it by i mean the rangers weren't going to win that series but no i mean lundquist carried them to the finals so yeah he could only get them so far and the only time that it ever happened uh i think there's two to- uh three times it happened two years in a row first time was uh 1933 34 next time was 50 and 51 actually 1950 1951 53 54 all stanley cup overtime winners like four out what of five. What a time years. to be alive! Yeah, what a time to be alive. We saw it in '99 and 2000. I'll never forget Jason Arnett. Uh, I don't remember who had the puck coming into the zone, but I remember screaming at my dad. I hated the Devils, and <laughs> I saw Jason Arnett on the bottom of the screen. All you could see was his head because this is on the like four three TVs, right? Like it was there wasn't HD, so you didn't get as big of a view. And I remember seeing the bottom of his head at the bottom of the screen and going, no, <laughs> and, and then watching the, the pass come across and he rifled it by Eddie Belfour and that was that. Oh, I hated the devil's then. Yeah, I've never, I mean, maybe it's because uh, first time I see the wings ever go to the Stanley Cup finals, they just get swept and in an embarrassing fashion where they were just a huge, you know, favorite and God, that was just. Ever since then, I was like, nope. And then, of course, the rivalry with Colorado. So those those two teams never sat well with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, I, I mean, you picked against them this time. So uh, who knows? Who knows? By the time people are listening to this, they might have another cup in their uh, in their pocket. But we'll see. Um, all right. Well, let's dive into the Metropolitan Division. Uh, what team do you want to start with? Dealer's choice. Oh, ooh, okay. Um, Let's go Washington Capitals. Okay, the Washington Capitals, probably the yeah. uh, the oldest oldest team in the uh, in the Metropolitan Division. At least maybe maybe the most aging, like that team that's ready to just age out. Seems like that might be them. Uh, what what do you have for the Capitals? What what are your thoughts as they enter into this off season? Boy, you know, I, I think first and foremost, obviously. Um, we just heard recent news about Nicholas Backstrom undergoing some surgery and, uh, boy, it seems like he's probably going to be out for the whole entire season. Maybe, uh, I, I can't remember specifically what disc it was, but I'm pretty sure it was, you know, some, um, some basically the same thing that Jack Eichel got, um, or, or was it? I thought it was a hip. It was a That's hip. what it was. Yeah. Left yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, someone yeah. else. Yeah. Someone else had that surgery. Um, that's right. Yeah, Ryan Kessler. That's who it was. And uh, yeah, it wasn't career. It wasn't termed as career ending, but uh, basically, it stopped his career. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep, yep, yep. Um, someone so else. Anyways. Well, someone someone else recently 
had that disc replacement surgery. Uh, yes, it was Joel Farabee from the Philadelphia. There, yeah, Farabee. Yep. Yeah, that's where I was thinking of it. So thank you. Um, but you're yeah, welcome. So first and foremost, <laughs> yeah, first and foremost, I, I look at Washington, right? And so you could start at the back end and talk about their goaltending. But for me, it's it's really finding a replacement for Nicholas Backstrom because this team is aging, right? You, you, you mentioned it, right? They are probably the oldest team in this division. And if not, maybe the league, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me for as far as, you know, median age is concerned. But um, when you look at the core of Oshie, Backstrom, uh, you know, Ovechkin, it, it's, a, it's an old team, right? John Carlson is probably the youngest of that, that core there. Maybe Tom Wilson, if you want to throw him in there. But um, really, you know, they're, they're going to rely on, on the bird, Kuznetsov, to center the top line with Ovi. And um, they're going to have to find somebody to replace Backstrom on that second line because there's no way Lars Eller is going to play the whole season in the top six, I feel like. They could start off with him and maybe trade down the line, find a team that maybe falls off the map pretty quick and see if they can make a move or – you know, find somebody who's a little disgruntled, maybe. Um, Gotta love the disgruntled guy. Yeah, can you <laughs> can you uh, find your Tony D'Angelo or something like that? You can uh, you can pick up. Yeah, and I mean, right? There's there's probably a few. I mean, a few good um, you know options out there for them as far as center is concerned. I mean, you could really look. Um, you know, to, we'll, I, we'll maybe talk about them later, but one, there's another one, uh, team in this division. One, one thing I did see, uh, and I'm going to throw this out there, Washington Capitals Please. are the oldest team in the NHL at 29.6 years old on average. Okay. Uh, next is the Dallas Stars, 29.5, and, and then the Islanders, 29.4, and then the next closest, the Flyers, 28.8. So definitely uh, they're up there. The youngest team, by the way, is the Devils at 25.2 years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have to be careful too, right? If you're if you're Washington looking for a top six center, because one, anybody who's top six worthy is going to want term and money. Um, I don't think money is going to be an issue, especially once Backstrom goes on long term. Yeah. The, but, no, no problem at all. And to find another guy, you're going to pay nine and a half. You're probably you're not going to find him this off season unless somehow you're bringing in Johnny Goudreau. Exactly. But the problem is, is right. If you want to bring in a top six center, you're going to have to give them term. And then what do you do if Baxter comes back next season, right? Or maybe at some point returns this season. I don't know if that's possible. But, again, assuming Baxter comes back next year fully healthy, ready to go, um, you know, then you got to jettison some money. you got to trade a guy. So um, there are a couple options out there specifically in this division they could look at. A guy like Ryan Strom, Andrew Kopp, even Evgeny Malkin. Uh, yeah, I've heard Pittsburgh of Gene Malkin's back. name tossed around as like the best replacement for Backstrom. Yeah, and maybe he could do a one-year deal if you overpay for him a little bit. Hey, that Russian uh, connection with Ovechkin, there's, exactly. there probably is something there. Probably. Absolutely. Kuznetsov, I mean, right, this team's got plenty of Russians there. Um, so for me, that's that's the biggest concern, I think, for this team because their window is so so small right now. I mean, yes, they've got a lot of their core guys signed up for at least three or four years here, but I mean, listen, they're, they're aging out at this point and you don't want to have to go into, you know, year three or four with Backstrom at 37, Ovi at 39 years old, trying to win a cup. Right. So you want to do it now. You want to try to get them, you know, why these guys are still productive and still healthy. Um, so the other thing for me outside of the center position really to, to look at is going to be the goaltending, right? They've got two RFAs here, Vanacek and Samsonov. And at this point, really, I think 
the Capitals are in a position where they almost have to just pick a goalie and deal a goalie because you don't want this to be your pair rolling into next season. They didn't have, you know, the greatest of numbers. I mean, Vanacek had a 2.67, 9.08 save percentage, and Samsonov had a 3.02, 8.96 save percentage. So these are two guys, right, that are, aren't really number ones, but one of them could be a really strong backup 1B. So you'd like to try to find some help, and there's not a ton of goaltending on the free agent market. So this should be interesting to see what kind of moves they make. Maybe they make a trade here. Maybe this is the right position to deal some picks and maybe a prospect. So we'll see what they do. But for me, those are the two biggest needs. And then of course there's, you know, little things like maybe finding another top four defenseman, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But this team's got a lot of work to do, especially with the small window they have right now. Yes. Uh, in terms of goaltending, any chance you think Braden Holtby could come back to Washington? Yeah, I mean, look, this team's got right some budget issues too. Like I mentioned, um, yeah, they'll they have about eight to nine million bucks in current cap space, and then whatever um, you know they get on LTIR from Backstrom, and you know he's at nine point two right now. But um, look, they they've got a they've got to bring in a top four defenseman. I feel like because you can't go in with. Orloff, Jensen, and, and Carlson as your you know your big four, or, or Van Riemsdyk being in that four spot, and you know maybe Justin Schultz gets signed on the cheap, and then you can just kind of figure it out as the season progresses and see how they do. But they need some infusion of talent back there, and so you know for the goaltending situation, right? You're going to have to give one of these guys a few million bucks. You've got to bring in you know maybe another defenseman on, on your bottom pair, so that's going to eat up at least half the money, and so you've got three, four million bucks to play with. Uh, to find yourself a goaltender if that's where you want to go and if you decide the free agent market's the way to go. And, um, you know, again, like I said, there's not a ton of talent available. And so when you look at options, right, Holtby could be somebody you could bring in for two, three million bucks on the cheap for one or two years, um, you know, given his injury history. And I think he played well enough in Dallas to warrant that kind of a contract for a few million bucks and get himself a little raise. And then he could go out there and potentially give you some money and or give you some wins. And maybe he's, he's kind of re- reinvigorated or refreshed his you know ability to still be a, a starting goaltender in this league yeah I, I like I mean I like the thought it's a good thought um I you know just the way that they're uh that they're going this year and and looking at like what the the picks that they've had the last couple of years I don't think that Hendricks Lapierre is going to be ready to go he was their first round pick in 2020 uh he only played six games this last year uh, it, yeah, and they they really haven't. The last year they had no first round pick. The year before they had no second round pick, uh, no third round pick either. I mean, it's just the the cupboards are kind of bare for uh, for this Capitals team, and that also can spell kind of the end. You know, you can only go so like bare cupboards for so long before you have to just. You just kind of have to have a year, maybe maybe not where you're 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 gonna go and and bomb out. Uh, they've they've done a nice job. They've got a pick in the first round, second round, third round this this season, and I think this is something they need to just kind of sit with. Like they they maybe need to use those picks, restock the cupboards, make good selections, and you know look at this like uh, either either you need to do that or you need to just use those picks go balls out, bring in some guys and say, you know, we only have Ovechkin for so long. Uh, let's go. Like, 
Do you take it as a retool year? Say, you know, Backstrom's gone. We're not sure who we're going to be able to bring in. You know, maybe we just kind of see what happens. And you just spend your one year where you're maybe not going to make the playoffs. And you can let Ovechkin kind of go ham. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then you come back the following year with some more assets and maybe a refreshed team. That, that, to me, considering what the rest of this division's doing, I mean, no one in this division is really going to get worse. Out, like, outside of maybe the Penguins, you look at them and you go, ooh, that's, they, might get, they might get worse, but they're going to have a lot of money to spend, too. So they're not going to just, like, go, go away. They still have Sidney Crosby. They're still going to have Jake Getzel. They're, they're likely going to have Chris Letang. I think Chris Letang is going to resign in Pittsburgh, and maybe that's the next team we talk about. But they just—they have the ability to go out and refresh themselves too. Uh, it's going to be a tough pickings in this division, in my opinion, where where things yeah. are going. Yeah, if if I'm you know Washington management and especially ownership, I think is going to push for this. Uh, you still want to be competitive? Why Ov still, you know, still got it? Um, and I think they just go balls out, go ham. Just get rid of those first rounders, make some moves, bring in guys, and just 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 go right and see what you can do, and then worry about you know rebuilding, restocking, and you know doing all that stuff when when Obi's gone and and you know calls it a day. I uh, by the way I misspoke. Um, one site obviously didn't update their uh, their stats. Hendricks Lapierre did have fifty one points in forty games in the queue, so that's okay. uh, that's my bad. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as like AHL guys coming up, there you know, there's like Joe Snively. He had he had a nice season in the A, uh, thirty eight points in thirty five games. So you know, you you you're gonna kind of have to look to the cupboards to uh, to see what they can find. I mean, he's twenty six years old. It's not as if he's uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, I think that's kind of where you're going to have to look if you're the Capitals is like, who can you kind of graduate up to your main roster uh, to to have an impact? Because you're just really not going to f- probably find a whole lot via free agency because you have to spend so much more on these free agents, right? Like you, you can only bring in so many two, three, four million dollar guys before you're overwhelmed. And, and then you look back two years later and you go, why did they sign that guy? Just for just like almost he was over the hill and you signed him to a deal and now it's coming back to bite you. You don't want to do that if you're the Capitals. No, I think if you're Washington, right, you need these AHL guys to come in and kind of fill out that bottom six and, and be, you know, competitive and contribute. So, you know, hopefully they, they got a few guys down there that can do that and are going to step it up next year. One, one thing I do wonder, I know that Marc-Andre Fleury said, oh, I'm not sure I could go to Washington and that was all via trade. I wonder if Washington, you know, if they they ponied up and they said, no, like, come in here, you know, you haven't been played for the Penguins in a long time, let's chat. If, if like, all things, let's say Malkin signs with the Capitals and Latang leaves Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh kind of looks like a shell of itself, does maybe Marc-Andre Fleury go, yeah, you know what, I I could sign with Washington. Nope. (laughs) No, no, no chance. <laughs> I, I, I think it's Minnesota, Pittsburgh, or retirement at okay. this point. All right. Uh, okay. Well, let's uh, let's move on then. Uh, by the way, I, I think that 
if the if the Capitals have the ability, if they use their first round pick, I think using their first round pick on defense in this draft is the way to go. Uh, they just don't have a a big cupboard full of defensemen, and uh, I think that's that's what I would do if I were the Capitals. Just go I like out, it. Go out and snag that. I mean, they they did take in twenty twenty one in the second round. That was their first pick of the draft. Was Vincent Io Rio. And uh, he was taken by the Capitals, so he had a nice season down with the Brandon Wheat Kings. But uh, I don't think he's—he's he's not. He, he'll play in the American Hockey League. Most nineteen-year-olds aren't ready to go to uh, the NHL, <laughs> and I—he may get an opportunity during the season, but he's not going to be ready at all to go. Uh, but I think Capitals probably need to keep on pulling defenders because uh, everything else looks pretty shallow. Once you kind of get past that, Carlson, just like you said, you know, it's you look at the rest of their their defense, and it's just a little, a little scary there. So, uh, got to stock the cupboards there. Uh, okay, well, why don't we go to Pittsburgh because we we were uh, we were just sort of talking about them. What do you think chances that Malkin and Latang resign in Pittsburgh together? Together, both of them. Oh, looking at their cap situation, right? I mean, they've got, they've got $23 million in cap space. So, you know, they probably have some money to do it, but the term is what I think is going to be the sticking point for a guy like Malkin. Um, you know, especially at 35, he's probably looking for, you know, that last contract, that last bit of money and three, and with maybe Gensel's, three years. Right. And with Gensel's, uh, you know, new deal coming up, um, you know, after next season, they've got, uh, no, 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 he's got, he's got two years left on his deal. No, Gets but him. next year you can re-sign him, right? So yeah, okay, you know, yeah, I see. What the minute free agency kicks in next year, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so you've got to think about that long term. And so to me, you know, especially with the money that I've been hearing for for Latang, that you know they're they're throwing at him right now, I think the chances are probably I'm going to say 25 percent that they can get both guys signed. Okay, uh, who do you think is the more likely player to sign with the Penguins? Uh, Chris Latang, all the way. Um, I, you know, it's it's definitely harder to find these, these types of defensemen, especially when Chris Letang basically had the best season of his career, staying healthy, putting up the, you know, the points he did. Um, and what they have on the back end there is pretty dull compared to the offensive yeah. output. It, it, he's you know? definitely, you, if, if you have to choose who do we, who can we afford to lose? Well, it's Malkin. You could, right. I mean, he only, Malkin also only played in half games. Yeah, and Jeff Carter shown, has still shown the ability to be able to to step up in a top six role. He still can skate very, very well. Still knows how to dish, and is a good faceoff guy. So you know, if you have to put him in there for half the year while you figure it out, or trade, or go inside a free agent, who knows? But um, he can do it and still fill in. I think admirably. Yeah, the last time Malkin missed uh, like fewer than five games in a season was twenty seventeen eighteen. Wow. He missed 41 this last year. Uh, how many games were played in 2020, 2021? I think 56. Was that 56? Okay, so he missed uh, 23 games that year. 2019, 20, 1920, I think, was like a, what, a right around 65, 68 games, something like that? Yeah, right? for most most people. So yeah, he played 55 games. games, so you're looking at at least 10 games he missed. And uh, 18, 19, he played 68 games, so he missed 14 games that year. Uh, played 78 in 17-18. I mean, 16-17, he only played 62. 15-16, he only played 57. The last time he played a full season 
was 2008-9. Like, he has been hammered by injuries his entire career. I mean, fantastic player. You you know, you would take him if you knew, whatever, if a guy plays 70 games in a year, that's fine, 75 games. But you're practically guaranteed that he's going to play less than 60 games. So yeah, that, at this point, sure seems like it. That's the other tough part, is you're paying a guy to not play. And uh, that's yeah, that's a big chunk of your cap. Now, if like, if you could, you know, bury the whole thing, and it just it's not worth it. I don't think that it's worth it. I think for the Penguins, I think they're in a better place if they don't bring back Malkin, in fact. I don't think they should. I think they can go out and get a player who's, you know, obviously not Malkin. Uh, but you can go out and get a player who will be healthy, can be in your lineup more often, and that in and of itself provides some continuity, some consistency, and you don't have to worry about how many games he's going to end up giving you. So I think I would just say, you know, right here, right now, thank you for everything you've done for our organization. Uh, we're going to all move on, and that's okay. Nobody like Nobody's mad at each other. I think that they, for what he wants, the kind of money that he's going to want, no, it's crazy. If he was coming after $5 million, I would say, heck yeah, sign him. $6 million, sure. But more than that, nah, I couldn't. Yeah, and, I, and it's the term thing too, right? I mean, yes, you want to ultimately um, you know, keep him around as long as possible. But um, you know, they, like I said, they've got other contracts that are going to need extending. And um, you know, really, it just comes down to you know, again, where you think your money's best spent and it's no the fault of Malkins, but I just think it's uh it's better for this team now to focus how, on other areas and how spend about the money this? there. How about this, Justin? How about Claude Giroux goes to Pittsburgh? How about that? <laughs> you think he'd go Boy. to Pittsburgh? <laughs> no, I I think it's the same as Mark Andre Fleur yeah, now wanting to go to Washington. So yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I I mean for for Pittsburgh if they're willing to uh to spend the money I think they go after Nazem Kadri. I think that he would be a a huge target for them. Thirty one years old, you could probably sign him to a five year deal, and you could get him. He's not gonna he's not gonna command an a, a, you know a one point what one point one five points per game kind of salary because of who he played with and the team that he was on. He's gonna command a big salary, but I I think he'd be a really good fit in Pittsburgh if he were willing to go there. Uh, I I would target him all day over Malkin. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think right now at this point in his career, Kadri would be uh, a welcome addition to that team. I think what he can bring as far as like grit and sandpaper and just that agitation, right, is is fantastic. And um, you know, gosh, the yeah, only he thing only I had eighty seven Kad- points. Right. Well, the only thing I worry about with Kadri is he's you know cashing in on a contract year. And, you know, is this the cadre you're going to get year in and year out, right? I, I think I'm kind of with you where I feel like, yes, he, he had the benefit of playing with guys like Landis Gog and Rantanen for most of the year. Um, and so, you know, is he more or less – I think personally he's more or less like a 60-point guy um, like yeah. he was back in Toronto, 30 yeah. goals, 30 assists, and I think that's what you're going to get out of him. And not that that's bad or anything, but, you know, again, I'm not paying him eight, nine million bucks, seven. Yeah, I'd give him seven million bucks for three or four years and – um, you know, see what he can do, but I feel like he's going to try to cash in for seven years. And to me, I, I would not touch him at seven years. That's I, for sure. Yeah, I think Philadelphia is going to plug at him anyway. So, 
it'll be interesting. I think if he's smart, he'll uh, he'll stay in Colorado. But you know, we'll we'll wait and see. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But you're not going to turn down. I mean, you're not going to go and sign in Colorado for five and a half million or you know, like they. I guess Colorado has twenty five million in cap space, so they could do it. But they they're also losing a lot of players. <laughs> they got to resign well, a lot of guys. Yeah, you've got McKinnon's extension coming up. I mean, that's going to cost you <laughs> so much money. Uh, my God. Yeah, He's that might be the. I mean, he he might be the most expensive. Have the biggest contract in the league. He he will probably yeah. have a bigger a bigger salary than Connor McDavid. Is my guess. And yeah, unless he, might he come in and say, "I want the full twenty percent," right? Unless he says, I "Hey, I, I'm I'll take my discount for the team," kind of. I'm like, "Pay me ten. Yeah, maybe or, if they don't win the cup, right? Maybe he's willing to take that, you know, that discount, or maybe he says, "You know what? We got our cup. I want cash in now." Yeah, could be, could be. Well, he can sign an extension on July thirteenth. We'll see if that happens, but that's going to be a that doozy. <laughs> Twelve and a half is is the number right now that McDavid sits at, and I think that he's going to exceed it because he's going to go. Well, yeah, I mean, he's going to sign an eight year deal, and that deal it'll take him till he's thirty four, thirty five, uh, thirty five years old, and he's going to look at it and go, "Hey, by the time that deal's over, I, I mean, the top deal in the league will probably have be sixteen million bucks." You know, the cap's going to go up and. Uh, He'll he'll look at that and say, yeah, it's it might be tight right now, but it won't be later. So we're gonna do it. Yeah, but so back to Pittsburgh though. Outside of you know the Latang Malkin drama, I guess uh, wh- what is maybe one area, or you know maybe do you think that there's some some minor league guys in the you know prospects in the pool that can come up and uh, but what's really the one area you think that they should really focus on outside of those two guys this offseason? Oh, man. I just as as great as Tristan Jari was, am I sold on Tristan Jari all year long? Uh, I to me Pittsburgh is kind of tied to that goaltending, right? Like they they have uh, if it weren't for Jari's injury, they probably win in the first round. You know, they probably beat the New York Rangers. They were dominant against the Rangers, especially that Crosby line. Crosby goes down, but Jari didn't play at all. They have to go to their third string goaltender. I think you got to look at that goaltending position. And if it's me, I'm going out to Marc Andre Fleury and I'm saying, let's, let's like give this one more shot. Come back to Pittsburgh. Obviously, we loved you. Like, he. I think Mark Andre Fleury would have a job in that organization tomorrow if he retired. Like he is beloved in Pittsburgh. I think there is a a ten percent chance that he doesn't sign in Pittsburgh this offseason. I think if he's willing to if he's willing to uh, accept a reasonable dollar amount, he's the goalie in Pittsburgh in my mind. That's and you go you know what Jari, you're not going anywhere. You're going to play half the games. Like you're just gonna have competition, and the two of you can compete. And then at the end of the season, Mark Andre Fleury might maybe you sign him again. But also you've got Jari as a UFA, and if Jari has a, a better season than Mark Andre Fleury, then you just sign him, and then he's your goalie. I I think that it's a win win to bring in Mark Andre Fleury, and that's that's what I would be putting a lot of a lot of my eggs into that basket. Yeah, I mean that's. That's obviously right. The the risk you're taking. I mean, he he hasn't played more than half a season, um, you know, as a starter until this year, right? This is the first year he's been a bona fide 
Uh, I mean, you could throw him last year, but um, really this year is the first year you look at him and you say, you know what, this is this is truly his net moving forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a veteran backup would be ideal because you don't want to have to go to Casey to Smith again. You don't want to have to rely on Louis Domingue, although I highly suggest they re-sign him just for – um, you know, his media comments anyways, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, Porgan Broccoli, that's fantastic. Um, but dude, I, I, I mean, yeah, Mark Andre Fleury is a win-win for this, this franchise. It's a great place for, for him to go as well. Uh, I'm leaning 60, 40. He re-signs in Pittsburgh, uh, the other 40% in Minnesota. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, and again, if you just have to decide really, if your management, do you try to re-sign Tristan Jari? before you sign Mark andre Fleury and give him that extension, or do you wait and play out the year and see how he does? Because if not, then you really, you know, you could maybe get him a little bit cheaper, or maybe you can, you know, somehow just, you know, maybe make the decision that, you know what, he's just not our guy of the future. Let's go out and make a move. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, he's your guy of the future, but it can't hurt to have Mark andre Fleury there. Who cares? Fleury can play 35 games, and Jari can play 45. Like, Oh, no, I agree. And I, I think if anything, you know, it's just it's great to have that kind of veteran leadership and presence there in that net for him to kind of learn. Because, again, I, I think he is going to be the guy for the next you know four or five years at least. And so, you know, give him that veteran presence there to kind of, you know, teach him the ropes and maybe get over that hump, you know, because, you know, he hasn't had any playoff experience and any success at that matter. So have a guy there that can be there to mentor him in that aspect. And then if you want, you can put Flurry in for the playoffs and – you know, let him ride out into the sunset that way. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if he could just play out his career, the rest of his career with the the Pittsburgh Penguins. That'd be that would be fine with me. Um, I think that you know he was kind of mistreated in Vegas, and it it made everybody mad, and just like made everyone like almost love him even more. Right. <laughs> just because of that. So yeah, I mean, I think the Penguins still have, uh, you know, they've they've had a lot of first round exits lately and uh and i'm sure that's not sitting well with anybody uh but they're still a good team i mean they they still are a team that is you don't want to play them in the first round uh if they're healthy they're going to be real good they've got uh they've got some good players coming i mean they're uh, when did when did uh i draft this this uh jordan frasca i mean he's tearing it up in the in the ohl he's got 87 points in 61 games and tore it up in the playoffs. So, I mean, there's yeah, Alexander Nylander could come up and yeah. play a middle six role for him. I mean, they've got some pieces for sure. Yeah. I, I, and that's, I mean, they've been trading away a lot of their picks because Hey, they've, they've had to, you know, they, they acquired Jason Zucker. They're, they're going out and grabbing a lot of players where they were spending their first round picks. They don't have a second or a third round pick in this upcoming draft, but they do have a first round pick. I I think you're going to you're starting to see that more often that teams are much more willing, yeah, we'll trade our second, our third, our fourth, we don't care, but oh, if we can hang on to that first round pick, that's the one we really care about. And uh the longer more first round picks you can hold on to, I think the longer your team will remain relevant. Yeah, I mean, we're we're seeing it now more and more where players in the middle to the back end of the first round are still really really good whereas before, you know, if you didn't get a, you know, pick in the top 5 6, it was like rolling the dice on a lot of guys, right? And you were hoping to hit on somebody. So, yep. I mean, look at Boston, gosh, at 2012 I think it was when they had 
the 15th, 16th, and 17th pick, or maybe it was 14, 15, yep. 16, yep. but they really haven't hit on any of them. So, yeah, that was a bad, bad time for Don <laughs> Sweeney. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I guess as far as the Penguins go, I think they'll still be good next year. Uh, the tough thing is going to be competing with the other teams in this division who are definitely going to get better. Uh, one of those teams being the Philadelphia Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers don't even need to change the players they have on their team because they brought in John Tortorella, who is Tortorella. John Tortorella is like the he's the farmer milking the cow, and he squeezes those udders so hard just to get every gosh darn ounce of milk out of those things. That is what he does to hockey players. <laughs> he milks them and milks them, and he will drain every ounce of talent and ability out of his guys. And, I mean, yes, Joel Farabee, he's going to be out for, you know, he probably won't be available until the new year, maybe a little sooner, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit of a road for him. Uh, that's a goal scorer that you're definitely going to miss. Cam Atkinson, best career, best years of his career were with John Tortorella, and that's going to continue. Uh, he'll find his he'll find his scoring prowess, and uh, I, you know someone else who I think is actually going to do really really well under John Tortorella is Kevin Hayes. I think Ooh. we we haven't really seen the Kevin Hayes that I think uh, Flyers fans expected. Uh, when they signed him, you know, out of Winnipeg, out of New York, uh, I mean, Kevin Hayes that year, he was he was having a dandy of a year, fifty five points in seventy one games, and for the type of player that he is, that was really good, and that was kind of what you expected out of him. I mean, the last two years, ten and twelve goals, that's just not going to cut it, and I think that John Tortorella is going to use him properly. Um, you're going to find out real quick if if he's going to work or if the Flyers are going to find a way to deal him would be my guess. Uh, and then the the other guy that I think he might be able to uh, to kind of find and, and milk out would be Owen Tippett, who has just not found his way in the league yet, but he also has not had a coach like John Tortorella. He's he's had a lot of coaches' coaches, or uh, players' coaches, uh, but no one like Tortorella. And I wonder if he can't make Owen Tippett relevant again or for the first time. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, right? I think Tippett is the type of player that I think would play well under, you know, Tortorella's system. And not only that, too, but Tippett really didn't have the opportunity to play some big minutes in Florida, right? They had all the big-name guys there already, sure. um, you know, eating up the minutes. And I think with this team, especially with Farabee being out, um, there's going to be a lot more opportunity for him to play second power play, middle six minutes there. Um, for me, the one big thing, you know, the, the coaching change is, I think, going to, you know, not only is it going to be just a coaching change, but I think it's going to shift the culture back to that old school Philadelphia mindset a little bit. Um, we forget last year that uh, for half the season, Sean Couturier was out. Ryan Ellis was only playing a couple games here. So getting those two guys back, hopefully healthy at some point, uh, ready to play for the year and playing under torts. Um, obviously, with any new system, there's going to be a learning curve at the beginning of the year, but I think you'll get them firing pretty quick. And if you get a Ryan Ellis back for the whole season and maybe you can get Provorov back to close to where you think he can be and Ristolainen starting to play his old game again, 
man, this could be a dangerous back end and better for a guy like Carter Hart who, you know, I mean, let's face it, Tortorella's always had good goaltending wherever yep. he's gone. Yep. So maybe Carter Hart's the next, you know. And, and Carter Hart for, played much better last season uh, than he yes. did the year before. Forget goals against average. That wasn't his fault. His team was god-awful, especially in front of him. Um, a, a little bit better of a save percentage, a much better save percentage from uh, – 2020 to 2021. Uh, yeah, I, I I see his system just being better for any goalie um, who was coming from that mess that he was experiencing before. <laughs> I also uh, you mentioned Sean Couturier. Man, is there a is there a player that maybe matches up with John Tortorella better? Like the way that he plays, his attention to detail, his ability to kind of do everything. He's he really is that like Swiss Army knife type of player. You can put him anywhere, do anything with him, and he's going to be fantastic. Uh, I I think, I mean, John Tortorella out of any team he could have coached, this was it. I mean, he just fits the vibe. I'm excited, really excited to see what he can do with this Flyers team, uh, especially that uh, like, can he grab Ivan Provorov and you know get him back on track because he had a really bad year last year. Uh, that'll be you know what what you're gonna find over this next year. Philadelphia may or may not make the playoffs. I mean, this is a great division. Uh, they might not make the playoffs, but I think what will happen very quickly, you're gonna see who's gonna fit and who won't. And by the following off season, this may be a completely different team because they could jettison a few names and bring in some other guys because this type of coach. You don't just go out and bring in anybody you want and have him just kind of change his style for those players. No, you go out and you get the right kind of guys for someone like John Tortorella, and I think that's what the Flyers will end up doing. Yeah, I think one name to to keep an eye on in free agency, like this is a team I, I don't think is going to, you know, they've got five-plus million bucks to spend in free agency, and they're not going to go out and spend a lot of money, uh, if anything at all. They might, you know, sign a backup goaltender, get you know some depth forwards that kind of thing but uh to me i think if there's any addition to be made it's going to be someone who you can maybe second power play unit play bottom you know pairing minutes and i look at a guy like pk suban who could be a little bit of a reclamation project now he's not going to be back to his old um you know vesna or i'm sorry norris winning ways nine million bucks that sort of play but i think Tortorella, again, when you talk about a, a coach who squeezes the last ounce of hockey out of a guy, he's P.K. Subban to me is a guy who still has wheels. Mm. He can still play hard-nosed hockey and has that that offensive ability that I think a guy like Torch could just squeeze a little last juice out of and maybe help revitalize his career a little bit. I like it. That would be a, that would be a very interesting signing, P.K. Subban. I don't know <laughs> that P.K. would be willing to go play for John Tortorella. Now that is yeah, that is a different thing, right? <laughs> you have to choose. To go there? That's the other thing is that you know you're choosing to uh, to go there. That's not an easy choice to make sometimes. Um, I I also uh, Cam York. He uh, he was playing in the AHL last year for the Flyers. He's their first round pick in 2019, 14th overall. Uh, He's he's reliable in his own zone. You know, he spent two years with uh, Michigan Wolverines in the, in uh, college hockey. Uh, he captained the the Team USA to gold 
in uh, 2020 or 2021. I'm not sure what year that is, but um, he captained that team. So, I mean, you've got a guy coming who can carry the puck. He's He's got lots of upside. Uh, and he, he, I think, is going to be ready to go this season. So he's somebody to keep an eye on because that could really change the Flyers' defensive core. Uh, if suddenly you have a guy who can move the puck and, uh, and create some offense, that is going to make a big difference. Yeah, and if anything, it helps push the other guys like Proveroff and Travis Sandheim on that left side for, for minutes, right? And so you're, if you're those two guys, you're like, crap, i got to get my shit together be on top of it because we got this kid coming up who yep, yep. I'm sure Torts is going to start to mentor and really take a shine to. And and he, he did play for the Flyers last year uh, for 13 games. He had a goal and three assists. So he's gotten that little little scratch in the NHL. So that's some that's always something to keep an eye on too. Uh, so, so keep an eye out for Cam York. Uh, what team you want to go to next? We've got both New York teams, the Devils, the Blue Jackets, and the Hurricanes. Boy, you know what? Let's let's go to Columbus. Let's go to Torch's old team. Okay, there you go. A good good little transition there. Uh, what are you seeing with this team? Boy, you know this is this could be one of those teams, right? We talked about Flyers getting better. Um, you know, teams that have to really improve, right? And for me, I think this this is a team that could go the other way or could improve, right? And I think it all kind of hangs on one guy in particular. And for me, that's that's Kent Johnson, right? Um, I, I mean, obviously, I think eventually they're going to get a deal done with a guy like Patrick Laine, get him re-signed. Um, or they'll trade Kent, him. Right, or they'll trade him. But I think when you look at Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, these two guys coming up, um, oh, man, they could bring a lot of excitement to this Ford group and really start to you know change the face of this franchise a little bit in terms of the way they, they play hockey, right? I mean, ever since Rick Nash has been in the league, this team has always been a pretty low-scoring team. They've never really been, like, you know, the type of Maple Leafs team we're we're seeing, you know, in recent years and where they can go out and beat you six to five every single night if they want to. Uh, But these two guys could sort of shift that culture, shift that type of play into that more offensive-minded style of play. And, uh, I mean, I've always been a fan of of Kent Johnson's. I think, uh, man, he could be be really something special uh, coming out of Michigan. He looked really, really good last year. Uh, granted, only three points in nine games for Columbus, but I think he's got yeah coming in halfway special. through the year. That's a tough like at yeah, the end of the year. He's nineteen years old, right? Um, but I think these two guys are something special. They'll get full seasons, I think, next year to look at. Um, Cole Sillinger obviously is super exciting. He's just, I mean, he's just got Jets at you know thirty-one points in seventy-nine games. Not you know not anything too crazy. In a but, rookie season, it's fantastic. You know, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, the other big thing is, I think, um, you know, for Columbus, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, Corpus Allo get jettisoned at some point this year. Hopefully they, they get a little healthier with Boone Jenner coming back. And, um, man, you know, I think there's there's a lot of upside for this team, but also at the same time, because that upside is a lot of younger talent, uh, this could be one of those teams that maybe goes the opposite way, right? Maybe these young guys just aren't ready, or maybe they just can't put this team on their shoulder quite yet, and and carry them against the division, right? You mentioned that it's so tough with Carolina, the Rangers, uh, you know, Washington's still there. So, you know, Philly's getting better. The Devils look like they could be. I mean, Jack Hughes could be just a, a monster. So, uh, boy, yeah. you know, Columbus could be a team that could be heading the opposite way. It's, it's probably probably the last place team in the Metro to me. Um, and, and that would, you know, 
that wouldn't be the worst thing for the Blue Jackets at this point. I I I think that it would be a good thing for this team to uh, to retool. They they've got some veteran guys. I know they've got Voracek. They're paying him a pretty penny. Uh, I'm sure they won't be. This isn't going to be last place in the division with 60 points. I think this division is like everyone in here is kind of getting a little better. It's going to be, you know, teams are going to be in the 70s uh, for maybe the last place in this division. But uh, the Blue Jackets definitely trend in that direction to being one of the bottom teams once again in the Metro. But, yeah, I think they'll be exciting. Uh, I just think there's there's some growing pains that are going to happen here. And uh, it'll take them a couple years to become relevant again in terms of the playoff picture. They've got two first-round picks this year, their own and Chicago's. So they've got a couple picks that are uh, quite quite high in the draft. So that's I mean that's huge for them. Uh, they'll make some good selections, I hope. And you know you'll uh, Yarmo Kekalainen. He'll he'll he always does a good job through the draft. So. Uh, I think that's that's where you kind of are putting your hopes right now is in the future if you're a Blue Jackets fan. And then what can they do with the pieces they currently have? Can you find a home for Voracek potentially? Can you find a place for Nyquist and, and get some assets back for him? Not a whole lot of UFAs, so you're not really too worried about that. Those would be the only two players on my radar that I'd be thinking, eh, if you could deal. Like if you could deal Voracek right now, I would do it. If somebody's willing to grab him. Even if you have to hold on to a couple million, um, I think Voracek is still a guy that's valued around the league. People like him. Uh, 62 points last year, only only six goals, uh, but 56 assists, which is just an unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> you don't see too often six goals and 56 assists. Holy crap! Uh, <laughs> that's that's a tremendous differential. Uh, so I mean you course you can always you can hang on to him and and use him as somebody to uh to bring her along these younger guys but there may be some teams out there who'd be willing to take Voracek off your hands and and you could get some a good asset for him yeah i mean i i think they found some some good chemistry between Voracek and liney last year i think they they worked out pretty well obviously the the big thing for them is finding you know big name centers to play for these guys uh you know again I, I think Kent Johnson is going to be that guy, but you know it's going to probably take a couple of years for him to yeah. to get up there, and um, you know maybe Cole Sillinger, who knows? But I, I don't really even know if he's a true center yet or a winger at this point. We'll we'll wait and see. But um, you know maybe they go in the draft right and they they get somebody like a Connor Geeky or um, you know Logan. You know I, I mean gosh, there's there's plenty of options at center in this draft, and so maybe they go that route. But uh, what I'm curious about. Um, you know, is Patrick Liney, right? We you mentioned him, and you know, the the chemistry with with Warcheck. I just mentioned there. I wonder if there's a team out there that's gonna potentially offer sheet a guy like this because I get the feeling that he wants a lot of money. Columbus just hasn't been willing to pony up yet. Um, you know, there's some hesitancy to re-sign there. Maybe it's because he's looking for a full you no know, move or who knows what. Um, but I, I imagine he probably wants close to seven and a half plus million bucks, at least maybe closer to nine um, for a guy that can, you know, potentially put up 30 to 40 goals every year. Um, but who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he just wants out. Right. Who knows? And so sure. I think if you're a team, maybe are you willing to give him eight million bucks 
and you know pony up a first, second, and third round pick for a guy like that, I I don't really think that's out of the question, right? Do guys just not want to be in Columbus because it's boring, or does everyone hate Ohio State as much as Michigan <laughs> fans do? Well, I mean, I will. I've been to Columbus a number of times. I, the city to me is, you know, if you can go to a place like Vegas, place like New York, yes, obviously there's a huge difference there, right? right. But when you look at other towns like st louis i've been there yeah yeah st louis yeah. to me is way more exciting than columbus i love everything about that um same thing with nashville right i mean that's yep. a much more exciting place to be and so um you know maybe it has to do with ohio because really once you get outside a couple of their major cities there's not much going on uh <laughs> and it is just i mean it is ohio let's just be honest about it um and, w- and if you're on a team that's you know expected to be towards the bottom of the division again too you know, do you want to sign a long-term deal? Maybe he only wants a one or two year deal to ride in the free agency. So right. he can go be like, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois and test it out. But, um, you know, I, I know obviously, you know, Columbus doesn't want to get rid of him for next to nothing, but if you're a team willing to give him eight to eight and a half million and only have to give up a first, second and third is offer sheet compensation. I mean, I might pull the trigger on something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, he would change any team's top six. That's for sure. Uh, and yeah, he, and he's, he's become a little more responsible defensively the last couple of years. Yeah, maybe if you're a team like New Jersey, right, who's really looking to make a push and get over that hump and, you know, really accelerate the uh, the Jack Hughes era, right? This could be a guy you could put alongside Jack Hughes, and, man, I'm sure those two guys would probably tear it up. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, he could use the winger. That's uh, We can go to the Devils next. Uh, that's probably the area of need is who do we who can we put with Jack Hughes? Who can we put with Nico Heischer uh, to to you know to give that spark? Guys that they can feed and set up, and uh, that's kind of what they've been missing. The Devils are a fascinating team because they only have four players under contract in. 2024 or 2023. So after this year, everyone is an RFA or a UFA except Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Dougie Hamilton, and Dawson Mercer. That's it. That's all the guys on their roster right now that uh, (laughs) have contracts. Uh, So with that said, I mean, that's, it's this weird position for a team like this to be in because they're they're rebuilding. Uh, well, they're trying to come out of this rebuild, and here you find yourself, no one has any contract. Now, Boakvist will get signed, Brat, Miles Wood, Zaka. I would think that all those guys are going to get deals. But it's, it's just an interesting spot to be in where you only have two forwards signed beyond this year. Only one defenseman, or three forwards, sorry. Only one defenseman. It's very odd. Yeah. And I think that's that really has to do with why every mock draft I've seen right now with the Devils at number two have them taking Slavkovsky, uh, the left winger out of Finland right now, is yep. looking like the the cemented number two pick regardless who the Montreal Canadiens take at number one, I think, at that center position, right? Whether it's Logan Cooley, Shane Wright, I think, honestly, it's just it's already cemented that the Devils are going to take a winger because they need that help. And yes, Jesper Bratt's going to be, you know, signed at some point. He's going to be a great top six winger to have up there. But you got to think Thomas Tatar, you know, he's on the other side of 30 now. So, you know, at some point he's going to decline. And he's not really his former self when they brought him in there. Um, so I think they'll probably move on from him at some point. But you still need other wingers 
to come in. And I think, you know, this could be a great opportunity, too, for the Devils to to make an offer sheet to a guy like, uh, you know, Patrick Liney or, you know, spend some free agent money now, too, right, on some – there's some big-name wingers out there, guys like Philip Forsberg, uh, you know, Johnny Goudreau, who's been, you know, linked to, to New Jersey as long as I can remember because yeah, he's from that there, area. Yeah. And you could even go as far as, um, you know, making a move to bring in a guy like Kevin Fiala from Minnesota, who I think, you know, that team's going to deal anyways as an RFA because they just can't afford to keep him thanks to, uh, you know, Parisi and Suter's contracts. So, you know, a guy like Fiala would fit in really nice alongside Jack Hughes or, or Nico Heischer because, let's face it, if you have those two guys at the center position for you, that's not a bad way to build your team. So No, they certainly um, have options. There right. are options so, out there. It just depends on what you're willing to spend. Absolutely. And so the other thing, too, that you got to look at for this team outside of just finding a couple wingers for these centers to play with is you got to find a goaltender, right? Um, you know, Jonathan Bernier, I don't know what his you know injury status is at this point. He was on IR pretty much the whole year. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood, to me, he's an RFA after this season. But um, I think up until this season, I really had high hopes for him. I thought he could be the goaltender of the future for the Devils. But it really just doesn't feel like that anymore. And I think the team itself, management, has sort of lost confidence. And I think that's why you hear, um, you know, that being towards the top, um, you know, top focus for this team outside of wingers is finding another goaltender and, um, you know, where they go. Because, again, there's not a lot of big-name starters uh, out there for them to to pluck. You know, a guy like Darcy Kemper might re-sign in Colorado. He might be available, but... um, yeah, you maybe you go to the RFA and you go like a, a Georgiev, uh, Ilya Samsona. You know, there's a couple of those names. I don't know that Jack Campbell uh, signs with the Leafs or not, but if he doesn't, I mean, he's probably the the number one target for a lot of these teams without a goalie because he's you know he's only 30. You can get him for free. He proved that he can play. Uh, but he'll he won't isn't going to get five million bucks, I don't think. So uh, yeah, that his contract situation is going to be the most interesting this off season as far as goalies are concerned because really this is going to be his one and only payday, and I think he's going to want to try to catch him, and I can't blame him, but at the same time, he doesn't have a lot of leverage right in negotiations, so it's it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Now the other free agent name in the goaltending market I really look at is Vili Huso because yeah. he's a guy who I I think likely will stay in St. Louis, but if he becomes available and just wants to see what's out there, I think at 27, he's still young enough. He's still got some life left in him. And I think because he's never really been a starter and played a lot of, a lot of games up until now, um, he could be a guy who could come in and you could oh. get him on the cheap. And I don't you know, think there's any you. chance he signs in St. Louis. You don't think so? No. With $9 okay. million dollars available to them and St. Louis <laughs> needs to go out and uh, they, they've, they don't need to bring in any more top six forwards. I mean, they've got plenty of those. Um, but yeah. they, they need to fill in that, that bottom, the bottom stretch. Their defense needs a refresh, in my opinion. Um, I don't know that you can go back and have Marco Scandella in your top six anymore. Or your top four. Sorry, your top four. I, I think he's still fine. Uh, yeah, but, I think they would like Nick Letty back in there. Um, personally, but you know, yeah, again, if they could sign we'll Nikola, yeah, yeah, but and, and I mean, Scott Perunovich, he's he looked real good, uh, but I don't know that they're going to be willing to pay Huso for multiple years, like maybe two, but I think on the open market, Huso could probably get three or four years. Somebody will take a flyer on him if they're willing to get him for 
three million, three and a half million. Sure. Uh, I just don't see him signing in St. Louis. And I don't know that that would be the best thing. Like, you've got Jordan Bennington. He kind of he found his game at the end of the year. He was so good in the playoffs. I think you got to ride with that. I don't think you could bring Huso back and be like, "Hey, remember Jordan, just in case, just in case you suck again." Where I don't know. It just doesn't. It would seem <laughs> weird to me. Uh, One name I will I will tell you that I think would be just a fun pun on a name that I think fits in well with the Devils. Um, a Magnus Helberg, uh, mm. looking at him as a goaltender. He was signed as a free agent at the end of the year by Detroit. Um, a former, you know, second round pick who played with uh, Nashville, New York, had a few games that hasn't played, you know, he's only played four games at the NHL, but, or five games now with Detroit last year. But I mean, over in Sweden, he was, you know, the world cup, the Olympics, and he was phenomenal in both those tournaments, uh, and played in the KHL all last year, 37 games, 917 save percentage was was great there and i think he's he's looking for a comeback and this could be somebody if you want to bring in super cheap who might need you know two or three years uh this could be a guy that could really really help you get over that hump or at least figure out be a nice band-aid till you figure out what you want to do long term there you go uh what did the devils do if shane wright doesn't get taken by the montreal canadians boy i still think you got to go winger um because, you don't think that they would just say, hey, Shane, you're playing the wing. No, because here, here's the thing, too. I think, you know, Shane Wright, uh, you know, while he's been, you know, while he's a center and could potentially play the wing, does he want to do that right? I think that's the, the question you really have to ask him. And Well, you're almost always going to go to the wing anyways in your first in the first year. Yeah, most likely. But I think you got to think long term, right? Do we want to invest in this guy for him to play third line center or potentially be a top six wing do we see him as a winger, right? I think these are all the questions uh, really that uh, New Jersey has to ask themselves. And the bigger one for me is Shane Wright is not the explosive playmaker that a guy like Logan Cooley is, right? He's not that uh, huge offensively-minded guy uh, when you look at that hockey IQ. But I think Shane Wright is well worthy of a number one pick, and he's going to be a great forward. But, well, it sure doesn't uh, sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Shane Wright's a, a piece of shit, man. He's terrible. But I mean, he is worthy of a first overall pick. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know what? You can't make. You can't. I mean, listen. There's. I can't be mad at, at Montreal if they decide to take him. He's not the guy. I think. I oh, would he's take. like the best overall. Like he's overall, yes, he's player. the best player. He, you're right. He's like Nico Heischer. It's basically like you're drafting another Nico Heischer. Right, but right. for me, I want high-end skill. I want guys who can shoot and skate. Um, and to me, I think a guy like uh, Slavkovsky is that guy because, again, when you pair him with one of those those centermen, he's very active. He's a good checker uh, in both zones, and he knows how to he knows how to produce offensively. And I think for you know a guy like that, I mean, it would just be would be fantastic. Now, if they want to go. Away from that a little bit, you could go power forward, right? Well, well, that's like, but that's all I'm saying is that if 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 Montreal, I think you're right. They're going to take Slavkowski unless he gets taken first overall. That, sure, yeah, that's maybe my Montreal own. goes that route, right? We got Nick Suzuki here, and we need a winger to to pair with him. So uh, that could very well happen. I think it's unlikely, but I I, <laughs> I think it's one of those like yeah, you know, it, there's always those stories every year. I I remember when it was like yeah, I mean. The Leafs might want to take Line A. He might be the better player long term. I was like, "Are you an idiot? What like 
the man is over there playing in Switzerland, dominating against men, and he's a little boy. Like, are you that? I mean, of course, uh, Line had a great first year. He scored forty goals, and uh, so did Matthews. It was you know. It, in the beginning, it was like, wow, you know, maybe they were right. Like these are, this is going to be like that Crosby Ovechkin kind of vibe. And then <laughs> Matthews has since become all top. Well, I mean, according he's to the, the play- best goal scorer in the league. Right according now, to the honest. players, he was the the best player in the NHL this last year. So, uh, and that that is never going to be going to line A. <laughs> and that's that's not a knock on line A. It just Matthews is so good. He's a generational talent. He's he is among McDavid and Drysital, and uh, there there's very few players that are going to be like him, and that just is what it is. Uh, and unfortunately, in this draft, there are none of those players. Yeah, uh, that's the unfortunate part, right? For that's, Montreal and, and New Jersey, and New Jersey seems heard. to get high up in the draft whenever there's not good players. Right. Well, you've also heard too that Jersey's willing to trade that that first round pick too, right? So maybe they go move that first round pick to bring in an already established winger, somebody who's 22, 23 yeah. years old yeah. that they can really, you know, just plug right in and not have to worry about. Yep. Yep. And, and I'm sorry, Jack Hughes is a, he, he, I think is going to be a great player. Uh, but I was just speaking. He to won't him. be an Austin Matthews. I mean, let's no, be honest. No, but so. he, I mean, he's going to be a, a point per game guy for a long time. Yes. Uh, he's going to be a very good player. Uh, okay, let's go uh, New York Islanders. We'll go from one of the youngest teams in the league to one of the oldest teams in the NHL, the New York Islanders. Uh, the The biggest question for the Islanders, I think, is going to be, what are they doing on defense? Because Green is probably going to retire. Chara is re- probably going to retire. You know, you're left with Pollock and Pellick and Noah Dobson, and then it's... Uh, kind of a, a patchwork from there. Where's this team going? Because it sure seemed like they were just going to come back with the same team they had last year in terms of the forward group and just say, oops, last year was a mistake. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. Right. So the big concern, I think, and number one priority for this team uh, come July 13th is going to be announcing an extension for Matthew Barzell. Uh, if they can't get him re-signed, or maybe Barzell is holding up for more money because this team does not have much money, um, this could change the dynamic of where they go moving forward, right? Because, look, you mentioned it, right? They need they need some people on the back end. They need some defensemen there. Uh, they've got Adam Pellick and Ryan Polak signed long-term, but outside of that, there's really nothing there. Uh, yes, Noah Dobson, Sebastian Ajo, you could sign. You, you know, you're going to re-sign those guys. And um, to how long of a deal, I don't know. But, you know, really the concern is Barzell. So if you get him re-signed, that'll – free up so much money for you to go out and maybe try to acquire another top four defenseman because that's really what they need. And, um, you know, outside of that, the other question mark too is what's going to happen with Simeon Barlamov because you could move his 5 million bucks and there's your money to go out and get that top four defenseman. So those are the two big pieces between the goaltending and Matthew Barzell's extension that are really going to determine where this franchise goes for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, now remember that Barzell is he's arbitration eligible. So he can go to arbitration. He's coming off 7 million bucks. So his next deal is going to be uh at least what like it has to be 15% more. So you're looking at an an 8 million dollar deal basically for one year uh for next year. If I'm Barzell and I'm going to arbitration or I'm like signing a, I'm signing a one-year deal 
get me to UFA and I'm cashing in and I'm going somewhere else because Lane Lambert is just a, he's a carbon copy of Barry Trotz. I think it was one of the worst, <laughs> like why fire a guy who, which now it's kind of coming, it's kind of coming to light that Barry Trotz, it doesn't seem like his heart was in it right now. Like based on him coming out and saying, Hey, I'm not going to be coaching this next year. Uh, I, I have some family things I want to do and they've been taking a back burner and I need to focus on those things before I come back because if I sign somewhere, I'd be doing a disservice to that team. That's what he said. So I, I guess it makes sense that it wasn't really, maybe he didn't really get fired because they didn't make the playoffs. He probably more or less got fired because, hey, just like your heart's not in it and like, I think you know, we're going to just move on and like you can figure out what you want to do with your, your life. But my guess is that this just didn't come last minute. Like maybe this has been kind of brewing for the last year, like with COVID and all that crap. Uh, we've seen it happen to other guys. I mean, Lane Lambert has been his assistant coach since 2011. (laughs) He was with him in Nashville. He was with him in Washington. And then he was with him in, in New York. Like literally, he was with Nashville. He got fired by Nashville. And then the same day he, he went to Washington, same thing with the Islanders. He, the day that his contract ended with the capitals, he signed with the Islanders. Like he is Barry Trotz's guy. So you're not going to get a system change. It's going to be pretty much status quo. And for Matthew Barzell, I don't think that that's a good fit anymore. Uh, I think no, that he's I absolutely agree. Yeah, he's better than the points he's putting up. He he put up 85 points in 82 games and since then he hasn't really come close to that point per game clip and I think that's because of the the coaching that he's under. No, I agree. I think that the system that he plays under is not ideal for a guy like Matthew Barzell because you want to let that guy run free, go wild, go ham, whatever you want to call it. You plug him in with an, a talented winger who can finish and this guy will light it up for a point per game every single season. Uh, he's got the wheels to do it. He's got the offensive talent to do it. And I agree with you. Lane Lambert is going to be a poor man's Barry Trotz. And, and I get it, right? The, the franchise comes out and says, we need a fresh voice in the locker room. And maybe that's so, right? Because again, to, to say Barry, the exact same thing, it doesn't make right? any It's Yeah. Yeah, we need a fresh voice. But we're going to bring in a guy who's going to do the exact same thing that Barry Trotz did, right? Yeah, doesn't make any sense. You could go out there... And you could try to get, I mean, granted, he wasn't available at the time, but like you could bring in a Peter DeBoer. You could hang around and wait and see what other, you know, coaches are available or see how the carousel falls. Now I know, you know, there was some fear because Lane Lambert's name had been brought up so much in the other coaching circles that he was going to find a head coaching job somewhere. So maybe this is their their last grasp at it. Like, you know, hey, we, we can't lose this guy. He's a talented assistant, no doubt. But, you know, hey. You need a you need a change. You need to change the system. And I know you have a core of guys who basically you know are. I mean, they thrived. Under, they guys. they did thrive under that system. You yeah, know, they, they but, went you know, from the worst team in the league defensively to the best team in the league defensively overnight. Right, but here's the question mark. Granted, I have no doubt in Lane Lambert's ability to be a quality coach. But what I do question is when it gets tough, when you're sinking a little bit, especially with this older group of players that really don't have that high offensive output ability like a lot of teams in the NHL, like a Sidney Crosby or, you know, gosh, um, you know, I, I don't know even who else to compare. But anyways, 
how is he going to adjust, right? Is he going to have that ability to adjust and really keep this team competitive and keep their heads above water? I, I'm very worried for them. Now, the one saving grace I will say is I think, you know, Shesterkin this year for the New York Rangers was a revelation. No doubt the, the Vesna winner and, you know, deservedly so. I think we have a guy on the back end for the Islanders who could be that next Shesterkin next year, and that's Ilias Sorokin, who I think is a phenomenal goaltender and very well could be a Vesna candidate next year. Now, um, you know, does he split time with Varlamov again? Does Varlamov go so they can free up some cash space? I don't know. Yeah, that's we'll that's really see. the big question mark is Varlamov. What do you do with him? Right. He could, he could go across the pond and go to Washington, right? There's a guy who's who used to play there who they could – I mean, they would love to have him back. Or maybe he goes back to, <laughs> to Colorado at some point uh, if they can't re-sign Kemper because at $5 million, bucks, I think that's a good price to get a starting goaltender. But yeah. – uh, you know, he is 34. Yes, he's got, you know, two, three years of quality hockey still left in him. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's going to be interesting for sure what this team does. Now, this could be a team, I think, like the Columbus Blue Jackets that slip a little bit because I think, you know, with the new head coach in here, the system that they play, if he tries to change things up too dramatically, it could really bite them in the ass. And I, I, I agree with you. I think Barzell, if he's smart, Sign a one-year deal, go to free agency, and I think he's going to walk. All right. Um, and and if if that's the case, then you're looking to deal him, right? Like, if you can't get him to sign, I think if you can't get him to sign this off season, you're looking to deal him. Uh, so well, he would have. Yeah. I guess he would have the. Oh, so, sorry. He's he's eligible for arbitration next year. So right. Uh, but I think you want to. I guess you haven't you you can broach that conversation now. Um, it's just not. It would be a tough place to stick around. Like, wow, look at all the aging players. Uh, Especially if they start to hit the bottom of that division, right? Right, right. Yep, it's gonna be hard to pull yourself out uh, quickly. And we'll see what Lou Lamarillo does. I'm sure that he's got. There's they're gonna make some big move. I, I'm pretty convinced they'll make one big move, um, and it'll kind of shake everything up there. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Let's let's move on to uh, the other side of New York to the Rangers. Uh, they make it to the conference finals. They've got a lot of free agent forwards, uh, unrestricted free agents: Andrew Kopp, Tyler Mott, Ryan Strom, Frank Vitrano. Uh, some some important names in there, and uh, they they're going to have to re-sign Georgiev or or trade him. He is uh, eligible for arbitration and. Uh, so was Julian Goche, who had a nice playoff for them too. So it's uh, this was in my mind maybe they because of Shesterkin, uh, he pseudo made their rebuild look like it was moving a little faster. Uh, <laughs> but there's still a lot of holes on this team, and some of these other guys are like you're hoping that. Lafreniere, that Kako can end up being superstars is still your whole, you know, there's still that opening. Um, but now you're going to have to start making decisions on some of these guys. Cause well, Kako is your first guy to come up. He's a free agent. He's an RFA. And like, how are you going to handle the rest of this? I mean, 18 points in 43 games, not that great. Uh, you're going to probably get him on a nice bridge deal and going to have to kind of figure out what, what this team's going to look like uh, in like two years, because this is the beginning of it. You know, you've got Panarin and Zabinajad and Kreider and Barkley Goodrow, 
those are kind of your like that's your I mean they're all 29 30 31 uh, you're gonna have to start making some decisions on these kids and how you're gonna pay them and like what your salary scru- structure looks like with that yeah this is gonna be an interesting team to say the least I think um, well I think we're gonna see a few big moves the middle I, I want to say the the middle roster of this team is gonna look drastically different next season so um you know i think obviously we've got lafreniere with an extension coming next year right he's the guy you're going to want to keep around long term i think he and philippito looked really really good last year or this this season together in the playoffs they they surprised they were probably the most consistent line this ranger team had uh throughout the entirety of the playoffs and always came up big in big moments but i think the one big thing that stood out to me when i watched this rangers playoffs uh because i had actually picked them to go all the way to the conference final in my original uh, NHL oh, there you, um, go. you know, bracket. But it wasn't necessarily because I believed they could go. It was just one of those things where it's like sometimes you just take a gamble on a team and just, sure. you know, just because there's always that team that surprises people, right? So I figured, okay, yeah, we'll just shockingly see them. I didn't, you know, in my heart of hearts, I figured they were going to get beat by Pittsburgh. And so, um, but they surprised everybody. And again, that's mostly because of Shesterkin. But looking at this team, right, it's clear to me I think Jacob Truba's got to go. Um, I think you probably need to move him at some po- point. He looked um, outgassed by a lot of, um, you know, the, the the talented forwards that the Tampa Bay Lightning had. I think uh, Keandre Miller, Ryan Lindgren, these guys are going to be phenomenal defensemen moving forward. I just think they need a little bit more seasoning. So for me, I want to bring in an offensive-minded veteran defenseman back there to help shore up that top four. And I think Isn't add a little Jacob stability. Truba? No, no. It's, I mean, well, Jacob I don't, Truba put up. He had eleven goals, thirty-nine points. He's he's pretty like he was pretty good offensively. Well, during the regular season, he was fine, but I think during the playoffs, he just looked out of place, and I think he got beat a lot of time by speed and just you know. Overall, I think I I would have liked to seen better play out of him. He was the one guy I think that was most disappointing to me during the playoffs for this team. I just don't know um, how you're going to move him. Well, you know, maybe you don't move him, right? But I think you have to bring somebody in back there to help kind of tighten things up. Right. And maybe once he has two years left on his deal and maybe you're willing to eat a couple million bucks with the cap going up, you know, in maybe 24, 25, it's a little easier to move him then. However, for now, I think maybe you try to find a team that you can deal somebody, uh, make a deal with somebody. And to me, I think, right. When I look at this Ford group, um, you know, they're not going to be able to keep everybody long-term that they need to resign, both restricted and unrestricted free agents. And so I would move Capo Caco right now if it was me because he's still got a lot of good value. And like I said, that kid line was so valuable during the playoffs that I think he's going to get a lot of looks, a lot of phone calls um, to be moved. And so you could deal him to try to potentially bring in a top-four defenseman, right? And so what top-four defenseman, what team uh, would a guy like that, you know, uh, you know, could you make a deal with? I don't know. Um, you know, again, there's there's options out there, you know, through free agency too. But I think you could move him to bring somebody to fill in that that top four. Um, if anything, you move him to maybe you package him with a guy like Truba to get Truba's contract out of there, and then maybe you can go in and and sign somebody else in free agency. I don't know. Um, well, sounds you know. like sounds like you're hoping that the Rangers will sign John Klingberg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of signings, there is one guy I know they won't re-sign out of all of these free agents they have uh, to re-sign, and that's Alexander Gorgiev. Um, well, he's an know, RFA. 
he's an RFA, but their relationship is disgruntled, as uh, pro hockey rumors did put it. Um, I know he wanted to get traded last year. He asked to be traded. Um, so right now that relationship is a little disgruntled, to say the least. And so uh, I know Chris Drury right now is taking calls on him, and I do suspect he will be moved, especially because, you know, again, he didn't have the greatest of seasons. So do you want him as a backup or, you know, do you need to re-sign him as a backup? No. I think you can go out in free agency and find other guys. Sure. I mean, you could yeah. potentially go out and get a guy like, um, you know, Casey DeSmith, uh, Braden Holpe, even Scott Wedgwood I would bring in and use over a guy like Gorgiev right now at this point. So you could probably move him for a middle to lower round draft pick and just get him off your books and, and move him out and bring in somebody else. But, um, you know, obviously the priority after, you know, after that is going to be, you know, bringing back Andrew Kopp or Ryan Strom. And I think Andrew Kopp just looked more in, you know, place there. He clicked very well with Panarin, and I think I would get him re-signed and then hope, hopefully maybe you can keep both of them. Yeah, it, it'll be tough to keep both. Um, man, Andrew Andrew Kopp, I think, is going to get paid. I, I think you're going to see Andrew Kopp get maybe $6 million. Going to be tight. yeah six doesn't sound out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, look, eighteen points in sixteen games, and then during the playoffs, he was great in the playoffs and twenty points, and he was hurt. twenty games, right? Yeah, and so maybe it is the fact that you know Winnipeg's system, right? Maybe it just didn't really fit for him, and plus he didn't get a lot of opportunities to play in that top six. So um, you know he gets that in the Rangers and really shines. So maybe if you're a team that's looking for center and you have some talented wingers, you can say, "Crap, this guy would fit in perfect on our second line." Like I think. A team like Detroit, right? Maybe they're not going to pay him a you know a ton of money because Scotty or Steve Eiserman is you know he doesn't really shell out a ton of cash for guys uh, unless they're super high in talent. But uh, he could come in and play with guys like Tyler Bertuzzi or Jacob Barana, and I think he would continue to thrive. Yeah, I don't know that Detroit would be his first option coming into free agency right now, based on where the Red Wings are. But uh, maybe Colorado, right? There's a team that could. You know, if Nazem Kadri doesn't, yeah, you know, sign yeah. for less than eight, he would fit in really well with them. He would, maybe, maybe Washington. Yep, absolutely. Fit well, in Washington, I mean, the the idea of maybe getting to play with Alexander Ovechkin that could be very attractive. Yeah, and maybe a lot of teams aren't willing to shell out big term for him and big money. So maybe he takes a one year prove it again deal with uh, with Washington and cashes in. I don't think so. I don't think he's signing <laughs> any one year deals. Uh, based on, I don't I mean, disagree with you. But. Based on his, I mean, he's at least like he's been pretty consistent uh, the last couple of years. Once he's been hadn't had this opportunity, and and just what he proved in the playoffs, he'll he'll uh, and it, it might be more like a three a three year deal, um, take you to thirty, you know, three sure. maybe a four if he can, you know, it depends on who you sign with. If you want to sign with a team that wins and that's like a good team right now. Yeah, you're gonna have to probably sign a maybe a, a two year deal, three year deal worth like three million, four million bucks. But if you want to go to Detroit, you know Detroit will probably have to sweeten the offer and offer five years and like five times five for Andrew Cop. I think would be a reasonable deal and uh, would would set Detroit up like he's gonna be good in in five years or in, like we'll say when Detroit is really ready to compete for a playoff spot in probably another year or two, he'll still be good. Yep. Oh, all right. Uh, last team in the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, wh- what do you what do you think 
Carolina is going to do going into this offseason because they, man, it just seems like they just can't get over the hump. No matter what that hump is, they just can't get over it. And uh, No, and I think you and I talked about this, right, during our, our playoff series wrap-up. I think they need a big superstar-type forward to really get this team over the hump. And, um, and maybe they picked a good year because they have some money to spend, right? I mean, they, they've got a guy like Martin Nietzsche's who – I've heard is taking calls, right? His agent is reaching out to teams to possibly move him. Um, so we may not see him back in Carolina this year. I don't know. Um, I don't know why they decided to give Koke Niemi all that money. I think that was stupid, but, you know, whatever. They're they're going to hope he pans out. He's only 21, so there's still plenty of time for him to develop and and maybe pay off on that contract. But, you know, with, with Vincent Trocek, uh, Nino Niederreier, Max Max Domi, all those contracts coming off the books. They've got $19 million and change to spend. And really all they need to do is sign a couple, you know, sign that one big forward and then, you know, figure out Anthony D'Angelo or another, you know, top four defenseman there. Um, so this could be a guy or an opportunity for them to bring in a guy like a Philip Forsberg, um, you know, Johnny Goudreau. I mean, I don't think he signs in Carolina, but – um, you know, Carolina is a team that's ready to, to compete for a Stanley Cup, and they're they're right there. So, um, you know, I, they they have a lot of different directions they could go in as far as you know where they want to spend their money, um, how they want to fill in those missing pieces. But I do think you know, like I said, uh, a game changing forward would would work really well. Maybe they go on, they make a move, make a trade, bring in a guy like Brock Besser who you know could potentially be out in Vancouver. Uh, maybe bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois, right, who is rumored to uh, wanting to go to free agency and test that market. So maybe Winnipeg deals him now. Um, yeah. really uh, don't know. So I mean, you're also – also don't forget about Seth Jarvis, who had a monster rookie season um, in his draft year, mind you. As an, as, well, uh, he's 20. Uh, sorry, in his he was 20-20 pick um, as a 20-year-old. I mean, he went and he had, what, 40 points in 68 games, almost had 20 goals. He had a really good playoff, too. He had eight points, and uh, I think you're going to see him take another step, and he's somebody who can really, I mean, he's kind of going to be that Jordan Stahl leaves, and you can just drop Seth Jarvis right in there, and you've got a faster version of of Jordan Stahl. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, in terms of free agents going going to Carolina, I it's just it's one of those places that seems to be difficult to attract high level free agents. It's kind of like Columbus, right? Like it, it's it's been in in the history of this organization, it's been difficult. Add on to that that their owner is very stingy. Uh, I think it's going to be real to tough. It. It's going to be real tough to to draw those guys in who are like I could go home. I could be really close, like. I could be in Philadelphia or New Jersey for like a Johnny Goudreau um, sign a big deal or sign back in Calgary. That is always a possibility too. I, I like Philip Forsberg. To me, I think it's probably more likely that he ends up back in Nashville than it does him going to Carolina. Like Carolina is not going to be the team that goes out and goes, yeah, pay ten million bucks for that guy, bring him in. I just don't see it. I don't see it. They they were offering what did they offer Dougie Hamilton? I think it was like. They were trying to get him for seven or like six yeah. and a half million. Seven, and yeah. And he signed for nine. Like, and they didn't want to give him the the max term. I don't think either. So, I mean, you're just not going to get these guys if that's how you're going to value them. Um, 
so they're they're gonna have to acquire guys like I mean Pierre Luc Dubois. That's a good a good target because he has to go there. Um, I also I don't think that Pierre Luc Dubois is getting like ten million in free agency either. Uh, so no. <laughs> so you're you're gonna be able to keep him cost controlled for a little while. Uh, but the Carolina Hurricanes that there's just has to they're just missing something that's not getting them over the hump. Uh, some of it I think was goaltending. You know the fact that you uh, that Anderson was hurt when push came to shove, which I said would happen. Said that would happen. <laughs> I knew it would happen. <laughs> I knew it would happen. Every Leafs fan knew it would happen. Oh, time to rely on him. Yeah, he's gonna hurt his groin. Yeah, uh, that's that's just what's been happening to Frederick Anderson, and it's unfortunate. He's a great guy. He's a good. He's a really good goalie. Uh, but he just cannot stay healthy through the course of a, a whole season, and more importantly, when it counts. Um, but any other uh, any other players that you you targeted for Carolina or, or things you've got going on with them? Boy, so what I will tell you, um, I'm sure you probably already knew this, but as of yesterday, uh, their AHL affiliate, the Chicago Wolves, won the Calder Cup. So I think there's some talent there as far as you know guys you can bring in for the bottom six. But um, you know maybe. You know, again, if you're willing, if you're trying to make a big move to bring in a, a top forward, which I still I think this team desperately needs, you could throw in a guy like Jack Drury, who looked pretty good in the Calder Cup. Um, you know, he basically finished third on his team in scoring with 24 points in 18 games, and uh, you know was big for this team. And you know, again, there's some pieces there, um, but ultimately, I, I I just think they need to figure out what they're going to do as far as the forward group is concerned because. I want them to spend the money. I want them to go out and, and bring in a big name piece because this is a team that I think has the right pieces right now to compete, especially because, you know, Jordan Stahl is going to be free agent after this year. And the way he plays the game, I don't, I don't know how much longer he's going to be um, really good outside of the faceoff circle. So you might want to take advantage of that now. And then, you know, again, uh, you know, you've got Tiro Ten, or Tivo Teravainen, who's only got one, two years left on his deal. So, uh, the window is small. Same with Sebastian Ajo, right? Two years left on his contract. Now I do think he re-signs with them. I think they'll they'll get something done with him and not let him walk. But uh, maybe it is a guy like Matthew Barzell, right? Maybe you look at it and, you know, come July 13th, they're like, hey, are you going to re-sign? And he says no. And so maybe you throw in all your marbles, right? You throw a guy like Jack Drury. You throw in a guy, um, gosh, like, I, I mean – Martinicius, yeah. maybe you throw him in there and and you give the Islanders some some quality pieces that could go in and and fill in those gaps for them too. Yeah, I mean, no matter how you cut it, you've got a guy who's who can score goals in Svechnikov. Uh, you you've got Sebastian Ahu who, who can just burn. Uh, they they have a good top six. They've got some good pieces on defense. There's just something holding them back, like. Oh, the other thing is that Anthony D'Angelo is not signing a, a $2 million deal or whatever he was just coming off of. No, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so uh, $1 million, one, one, one times one. Uh, he is going to get paid. He got 51 points in 64 games and had a really nice playoff too. I mean, he's going. they're going to need to give him some big money if they want him to stay beyond this because he's he is arbitration eligible. Um, I did hear that Ethan Bear was going to be moved. Yeah, they're looking at, at you know, I, well, maybe it's his agent then. 
instead of Martin Nishis's, uh that's been talking to free, you know, other teams. Oh, but, yes, yeah. it is Ethan Bear. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because, again, I, I think, you know, Brendan Smith, Ian Cole, you could bring either one of these guys back in to play as a 6-7 defenseman. I think both of them played fairly well for their roles in the minutes they were given. Um, but a yeah, guy like Ethan Bear is, is, yeah. yeah, but a guy like Ethan Bear is just – He's just not even your long-term plans, right? So might as well just move him. He's still an RFA young enough where you're still going to get a decent return. Uh, you know, Pesci, Slavin, those guys are obviously your top two. And, you know, Anthony D'Angelo, you would love to get him re-signed and maybe at a reasonable cost too. Maybe you get him at like a six times six or something. Um, but, you know, it's again, it's hard to justify paying him more than a guy like Jacob Slavin because, well, again, what Jacob Slavin, but, but when Jacob Slavin signed his deal – uh, that was, it was a different time. Oh, sure. Uh, I don't think you can look at that. He's not paid high enough to look at him and go, Oh, we can't pay any, anyone more than Slavin. Oh no, uh, no, I agree. But what I, I guess what I mean by all that is, is, you know, Carolina as tight as they hold their purse strings, you know, that's, that's their leverage, right? They're going to use, they're going to say, well, we don't want to pay you more than our top defenseman. So, you know, we have to keep you relatively close or, uh, you know, under that. And so maybe that's not, you know, not for D'Angelo, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's possible. Um, Vince Ro- Vince Trocek, do you think he's back? Think he resigns? Oh, uh, that that's a tough one. I I I think there's a place for him in Carolina. Oh, he had uh, a good seat. You know, 21 goals, 51 yeah. points, and he had his best year since 2017, 18. Uh, I think I think that it's clear he he's a good fit there. Uh, and and I think that Rod Brindamore's really worked with him to uh you know, he's a little undersized, um, but he's really worked with him to uh to like help him defensively. And I think that that's allowed his game I mean, you just look at his plus minus. I mean, he's he's been negative every single year, and then this year he's a plus twenty one. I mean, that's that's not by accident. No, um, no, but so the thing is is um, you know, guys that have put up fifty or more points at the center position, I mean, honestly Free agent wise, there's maybe six guys there. Yeah. So if you're if you're Vincent Trocheck, you could probably go out and get paid a lot more money on a different team than you would, you know, staying in Carolina. So it's really the decision is, you know, do you feel comfortable taking less money and staying here to compete for a Stanley Cup, or would you rather go somewhere else where you can possibly get a few more, you know, one or two more million bucks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There really isn't, in terms of how many, uh, excuse me, how many points he actually put up. There really isn't many other players that compare to him on the market. You know, you've got Nazem Kadri, and I'm not even going to include Bergeron because Bergeron is he's only signing in Boston, so it like it hardly counts, and he has so much experience. Uh, maybe you consider Giroux a, a centerman. At this yeah, point, I, I think Absolutely. he's. A, Probably more of a, a winger in terms of what what team's going to sign him, and then it's like Andrew Cop, and Andrew Cop isn't even a true center. You know, he's not playing center all the time. He's he's kind of getting tossed around, and then maybe the other ones, uh, like a, is Strom. Well, Strom's a winger, yeah. So there there well, really Strom, isn't much. Yeah, Ryan Strom played center, center and yeah. Cop was on the wing, but still, those guys are they can play on the wing, they can play center. So they, you know, again, there's only a few of them, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, so he could cash in right with a team that you know is really looking to solidify a number two or maybe number three center position. Yeah, uh, maybe paying him six. Six would probably be the 
the limit for a trocha? Yeah. yeah. And I think if you're Carolina, right, you're not giving them more than, I don't know if I'd want to give them five? more than 5 million bucks. So. And at 28 years old, you're probably looking at like five times four. Yeah. At the most. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, that's a tough sell. I, I mean, I think that he's a good fit there. Uh, he has a good role and, and he, like you said, he's playing good under uh, Rod Brindamore. Uh, I guess it also depends on what else they're able to, to bring in. So, I think this division is all like every team in this division is going to get better outside of maybe Columbus. I think that's probably the one team you're looking at and you go, Hmm, I don't know. Uh, maybe the other team I could see would be the Islanders. I could see the Islanders taking yet another step back and going, oops. Yep. Actually last year wasn't a fluke. This is, we just aged out. Well, you it's, it's funny, the Islanders, right? You, you look at this team, and they just started off really rough. I mean, they didn't really play at home till yeah, it's, 20 it seemed in. like the last game of the season. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think with Barry Trotz gone, right, that's where I, I look at the Islanders possibly slipping, um, you know, especially with whatever happens with Matthew Barzell. If they uh, can't get him re-signed, they decide to move him. Who knows? I mean, obviously, I think he'll play out this year uh, being an RFA next season, so... Um, for me, I think the Islanders, yes, I, I completely agree. I think they're poised to take a step back. I think Columbus is. Uh, and know, maybe on- Washington, like Washington will probably take a step back, but I, they're still a playoff team. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think Pittsburgh and Washington are still potentially playoff teams, but I think because they're getting a little older, their core is, and, uh, you know, a little uncertainty for both teams in goal, whether that's, you know, Pittsburgh's, you know, number one B slot and Washington trying to find a starter here. Uh, some of those wins they're getting are probably going to go to teams like New Jersey and Philadelphia. So, um, you know, whether or not any of those teams fail to make the playoff again is, is another story, but I still think the cream of the crop, right. Is Carolina and the Rangers, I think right here at the top. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I think this division will be tighter. You're not going to see a, like, you know, you look at the teams that made the playoffs and the teams that didn't as a 16 point gap. I don't think you're going to see that again, four to five. It's going to be a much tighter division. Um, I, don't, I also don't think you're going to see where what every playoff team in the East had 100 points. Right. <laughs> that was uh, an interesting year for sure. All right, well that's the Metro Division, Justin. We went for uh, an hour and 38 minutes on the Metro Division. Ooh, we'll have to uh, shorten that up here. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll shorten it up for uh, for the other divisions, but that's all right. I don't mind. Um, so we'll. Uh, We'll likely do the Pacific Division next, and then we'll we'll hit the Atlantic and the and the uh, and the Central, and then we'll be at the draft coming up on July seventh. So just uh, about less than two weeks to the draft. So it'll oh, be I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be really real fun. All right, Justin, you have a good rest of your day, and to our listeners, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Leave us a a nice review wherever you're listening to, and have a great rest of your day. <laughs>